I believe, is a big part of that. Uh, many times we pray and nothing happens, and we get really frustrated, and we don't understand why. There are reasons for that many times. The Bible gives us numerous reasons uh, why sometimes prayer does not invade the earth. You can pray until your head explodes. You can fast until you disappear. You can quote Scripture all day long. Sometimes there's something else going on that you need to be aware of, and you've got to move it out of the way so then the standard ways that we pray and believe can release heaven on earth. And we're going to look at one of those today. Let me ask you guys a question. We're in a series on building community, by the way. This is the third installment. Mark uh, opened up the series uh, with two messages on love. And uh, he's down in Mexico right now. And they're having a phenomenal ministry time down in Mexico uh, with one of the orphanages that we uh, serve down there. Shelly and Mark are both down there. They're part of our leadership here at the Gathering Place. But he opened up the series. And so now I'm jumping into the series. And it's about growing great relationships. So let me ask you a question. Everybody wants great relationships, right? How many of you hope that your relationships get worse today? Just raise your hand. I, I, I want to I hate them more. I want them to treat me really dirty and nasty today. And I want to go to bed even angrier than I woke up. Anybody? You want your relationships just to disintegrate? Or you want them to be strong and life-giving and healthy and happy? Jesus said the place, he literally said this, the place of the greatest joy on earth is in life-giving relationships. One person said um, a bad marriage is hell on earth and a good marriage is heaven on earth. And uh, it, it really is true you're, because that's a relationship you are committed to for the rest of your life. And so you have to determine to make it the best you can. The same with the relationships you're in right now. You've got to determine uh, to make them the best you possibly can. And so today is an installment in that. So I'm going to ask you a really important question as we break up, break up in this series. Do you know how... To catch a monkey. Anybody? Do you know how you catch a monkey? That's right. This is how you catch a monkey. This is how they literally do it. They put a they put a banana or yeah. They put a banana, it's calling for help. Put a banana or something a monkey wants. And somebody puts his hand in, and then when he grabs it, he can't get his hand back out unless he, say it, lets it go, which is the message, the name of my message today, just let it go. Now, I'm going to show you a very disturbing video. Any PETA members, I want to assure you this morning, the, no monkeys were injured during this documentary. So just relax, please, okay? Watch this. In a giant ant heap, when he is sure a baboon is watching him, because he knows baboons are incurably inquisitive. Next, he puts some wild melon seeds into the hole and works them in so that they drop into a hollow. Then he saunters off, knowing the baboon is burning with curiosity. The baboon doesn't trust that human being at all, so he plays it cool. But he's dying to know what gives in that confounded hole. Finally, Mr. Inquisitive can't take it any longer. He's got to know what's in there. He reaches in, grabs a fistful, and now his hand's too big to come out. If he had the sense to drop the seed, he could free his hand. Now he lets go when it's too late. It's a little disturbing, I know. But listen... Here's the point. You just got to let it go. 
See, I'm with the second monkey here. Can you just say that, say it out loud? Now, that was just a documentary. It was a video. The monkey didn't get hurt. Please, just relax. But I believe that's the condition of some of you in this house today. I believe the Holy Spirit has shown this to me. Some of the intercessors, people who pray their brains out, told me this morning when they found out what I was teaching on, that God had them praying on this all week long for some reason. Some of you are going to get set free today. You're going to find some prayers being answered that haven't been being answered because you've been acting like a monkey. One of the most powerful tools, I'm going to get serious now because this is really important. One of the most powerful tools the enemy uses to destroy the relationships in your life is offense. I've had over 30 years of pastor, and I've had more people leave church over being offended than anything else. And all my pastor friends uh, researched throughout the globe of churches. The number one reason people leave churches is because they got offended. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be a monkey. Just say it to them. Don't be a monkey. Look what the Word of God says about being offended. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. The word offense is the Greek word scandalon, where we get the word scandal from. It literally means to set a trap. Satan sets traps in our relationships all the time. He has caught a lot of monkeys this way. See, the offense, the thing somebody did to you, said about you, didn't do for you, lied to you, betrayed you, talked smack about you, cheated on you, that hurt, that offense is the banana. And if you don't let it go, Satan will put a leash around your neck and walk you around and control you. I know this is cute, but it's really not because it's really true. There's so many of us believers who are being controlled by the enemy because we will not let go of offenses. So today, we're going to do it. I pray you will come along and let go of offenses in your heart so that you can be set free. You see, here's the question for all of us. The question is not if you get offended, but when you get offended, what are you going to do about it? That's the question. You're going to get offended in life. I mean, we're all broken people. We're all selfish to the core. And you will be offended, and you're going to offend other people. It's going to be here till Jesus returns and the Prince of Peace comes and we're all whole again. So the question is not if you are offended, what are you going to do? But when you are offended, what are you going to do about it? In fact, I believe this. I believe this, litmus, this is the litmus test of your Christian character. Why? Because being offended strikes at the root of self. Your rights, your personal dignity, your pride. So when you let it go, you are never more like Christ. What did Jesus do when they nailed him to the cross? Spit in our Savior's face. God himself was offended, trespassed against, defamed. They said he had a demon. They said he was a deceiver of the people. They beat him, whipped him, stripped him naked, hung him up in public, nailed him to a cross. The very people that he created and loves. And what did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive him. That was not only for us, that was for him. (laughs) 
Satan's that dude behind the tree. He's just watching and waiting. Watching and waiting. And sometimes just out of our own flesh, we offend one another out of our selfishness. Other times Satan motivates people, inspires them. You don't have to obey him, but he feeds on these, gets these thoughts in our heads. And these thoughts go around our head about, about your mom, your dad, your kids, your pastor, your teacher, your coach, your brothers, your sisters, your, you know. And all of a sudden all these thoughts are going through your head and you just run with them. That's the bait. That's the bait. And you stick your hand and then you grab that banana. Well, it's funny this morning as I was teaching on, I think I knew I was going to teach on this. I'm saying, don't be a monkey. I went back to the sound booth and there's two bananas back there. Nick's got one right now on his hand. There was another one back there. I'm assuming that was Chris's. I don't know. And I thought, if that's not a prophetic sign, I don't know what it is. I hope you guys let go of the banana today. I mean, if you guys can't pick up on what God's saying to you back there, there's not much hope can't be any clearer so why is this so important everybody wants to belong we were created to belong adam and eve their kids god the father son holy spirit community we're all committed that's why facebook and twitter and instagram being on being on sports teams being in clubs having a click having your crew we want to belong nobody likes being isolated we weren't designed for it that's why we will trade in our core value systems to be liked by people and to be included in the group. We'll just trade it in so that the crowd likes us because we have this deep need to be accepted, included, and part of a group. Well, there's no group more powerful than the church. This is your spiritual community. This is the place where God resides and it is the only group on the planet that can tell Satan what to do. We are his nemesis. We are the seed of the woman, the church. We are the bride of Christ. Jesus, the reason he didn't marry in the earth is because he's going to marry the church. We are the bride of Christ. I mean, we have on a wedding dress, but we're wearing combat boots. You just slip the dress up a little bit, and you see those combat boots down there. We are, we are a force to be reckoned with. When, when we are unified, when we are divided, especially through offense and unforgiveness, how, when he divides us, Jesus said a house divided cannot stand. That's why Satan works day and night to rip the relationships in a church apart. Because if he can get us divided, we are weak. We pray and nothing happens because of uh, offense and division and strife. Now, I'm not saying this to correct our church. That is not where this is coming from. This is just, you got to teach this when you're teaching a series on building community. Look at this passage. Look at this promise. Look at this DNA of the church. It's right in the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who was able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. That's in the Bible. Everybody say this last part, next part out loud. According to the power that is at work within us. Not in you, in us. This is a unity passage. This is how heaven flows into the earth. It's through a united church. I'm going to start it over. Look at this. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's why Satan hates the church so much. His power is connected to our unity. That is why the very next verse, which is chapter 1, verse 4, he starts with the word therefore. Do you know what, what the word therefore is therefore? 
Whenever you see the word therefore, you have to back up and see what you're there for. So we just saw it. That through our unity, we can pray prayers that are so far beyond anything we could ask or even think. I can imagine some awesome stuff. And I pray all sorts of crazy big stuff. I figure if I pray big fat stuff, I'll get at least some big fat medium stuff. I am not shy in my prayers. If I overpray, if I overshoot, I don't think Jesus is going to get upset. He doesn't have to give it. I think he loves faith. He loves knowing that we believe in a big God. And this scripture right here gives me all the precedent I need. That he can do things beyond our greatest hopes and dreams. So therefore, since that's true about us, church, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you, church, make every effort to keep, to keep the oneness and unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. This is why Hope and I are such big about unity in our own family, at our home. Loving one another, forgiving one another, caring for one another, honoring one another, being other-centered. That doesn't always work well, but we're big about this. And because when a home is unified, it literally shuts the door to the enemy, and it unleashes heaven on earth in your family, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your church. Satan is the one that tries to rip human relationships apart. The Holy Spirit is the one trying to unify us. I love how this says, this is interesting, keep the unity of the Spirit. What that means, as Mark preaches so brilliantly last, last week, when you were born again, when you asked Jesus Christ into your life and His Spirit came into you, not only did you become a son or a daughter of God, you became a brother and a sister to millions of people on the planet, the body of Christ. It was a supernatural, instant family that you were born into. You'll spend an eternity with them in heaven. You were immediately unified. By the Holy Spirit, the moment you ask Jesus into your heart. And he says, keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Protect it. Protect it. Protect that unity. How do we do it? By not being easily offended. Because offense is the banana that will rip us apart. It's like when you go into a class. How many of you have ever been in a class and the teacher says, everybody has started out with an A. And it's yours to lose. You ever been in a class where I have? Well, yeah. You have an A, and it's yours to keep. Well, we have the unity of the Spirit, and it's ours to keep or ours to lose. When we keep it, we see the fulfillment of verse 20 and 21 in our lives. Praying prayers, and we're seeing things answered beyond our wildest imaginations. Jesus gets glory from generation to generation. Our kids see a church that is powerful and unified and loving and not hypocritical. On the other hand, we don't keep the unity. We don't see this verse fulfilled. Jesus does not get glory for generations. Our kids and grandkids see a divisive church, call us hypocrites, get turned off to God and run from Jesus. And who wants to see that? Let me see. Here's the, here's the choices. Unity, power beyond belief, Jesus gets the glory for generations to come. Our, our children and grandchildren serve God with all their hearts, mind, soul, and strength. Or disunity, very little power. Satan gets to afflict and destroy, and our kids reject church and Christ for generations to come. Which one do we want? It was kind of rhetorical, but I appreciate you choosing the right one. Here are the negative consequences of holding on to an offense. One, it destroys that relationship. You might think, well, I don't care. It's no big deal. Well, it might, it might be a big deal to Jesus. Secondly, it short circuits, I'm sorry, it pollutes your heart. This is huge. When you are offended by someone, somebody trespasses against you, and you feel that anger, that sense of trespass in your heart. This is why Jesus said in his prayers, daily prayer, Our Father in heaven, come on, say it. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. Come on, you former Catholics, belt it out. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Oh, there's a couple things going on here. Forgive us our trespasses, you prideful thing, as we forgive those who also trespass against us. 
You see? This is how it works. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. But what's interesting to me, what I want to point out here, is Jesus put the Jesus put forgiveness, forgiving others in the daily prayer. And you pray that at the beginning of the day. Give us this day our daily bread. You've got to clean up the arteries of your heart every morning before the day starts. Or you live life with a polluted heart. Look, when you pastor, well, let me put it on Pastor Paul Young E. Cho. Pastor, pastor of the largest church in the world. million people. He said, when you pastor a church my size, you hate a lot of people. That's what he said. I would never say such a thing. He said that. When you are in a community, you're going to end up having hate in your heart. It's just human nature because people are going to hurt you. When you slam your finger in a door, what do you want to do to the door? Yeah. And if you're you're smart, you stop because you're going to have to then pay for the, the door after you punch it or kick it or dent it. That pain and that anger, you go to the source of that pain and that anger and you hate it. You're angry at it, okay? That becomes an offense. You've got to recognize offense. You've got to recognize it and recognize that's the bait of Satan. In fact, John Bevere wrote one of the, I think, the best book ever written on this topic. It's called The Bait of Satan. John Bevere. You want to download it, you want to order it, you read it. I'm telling you, it's a lifesaver. John Bevere, The Bait of Satan. Look at this scripture in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 15. It literally says this. Are you able to get that up there, Nick? Uh, Hebrews uh, 12, 15. Okay, got another scripture coming your way too, all right? Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Hypergrace teachers just skip over that verse, I guess. Lest any root of bitterness, root, you don't want that unforgiveness, that, that offense to start developing roots in your soul. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. When you let bitterness, let me say it this way, when we let bitterness... Whether it's your mom, your dad, when they, you know, you carry around a picture of your mom in your wallet and say, it's her fault, you know. Uh, An ex-husband, ex-wife, former employees, former pastor, because I'm sure it wouldn't be this one. When you let that anger fester it becomes bitterness, and it literally produces roots in your heart. And it, what's it say? What does it say? That root of bitterness that you allow to take root springs up and causes trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Your attitude, your words, your behavior, it begins to defile those around you. You start speaking ugly about that person and this person, and you become critical and negative, and other people grab a hold of that. The worst thing is taking up somebody else's offense. I mean, when somebody does something to somebody that you love, oh, man, because of that protective nature, and all of a sudden you grab their banana. So you got your own banana, and you're grabbing somebody else's banana. That's worse. Taking up somebody else's offense is even worse. And I've seen situations where, like my wife, I won't tell her story again, but she was, she was trespassed against by her best friend who was dating her boyfriend behind her back. I just told your story. And, uh, and, and, and she, she lost a bunch of weight, and she was full of anxiety and just embarrassment. They were both on the same staff, and she just was, you know, just living in this, you know, just the betrayal. And one day the Lord said, We'll see the scripture in a minute. He said to do what Jesus said to do. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Do good to those who, uh, whatever he said next. (laughs) Do good to those. Do good to those who do something bad to you, basically what he said. I'd rather eat a bowl of rocks. 
Your flesh is like, ain't no way. It's called operating in the opposite spirit. I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but this is the freedom moment. When you decide to do an act of kindness to the person who has betrayed you or hurt you, you are turning the tables on the enemy. And you stop, and I've done it. I've done it numerous times, and I'm telling you, oh, I'd rather just jump off a cliff than do something nice to the person that hurt me. When you do it, Satan loses hold. And inside of me, inside of you, what you will find is you will feel empowered not to dominate, but you're free. You're free. You're free. You're not a victim anymore. You become liberated. It's so powerful. And you don't even realize until that moment that you are being victimized every day of your life by that offense and that trespass, being controlled by that person that hurt you because you're thinking about them all the time. They're controlling your, your heart's polluted. Once you do that act of kindness, it breaks it and you walk free. So my wife got a bouquet of flowers, walked down to her best friend's office and handed a bouquet of flowers to her friend. And it broke, didn't it? You were set free. And, of course, you know what her friend did at that point because she's the one that's filled with guilt, just burst into tears. You see, the scripture that says, "Don't, don't, don't return evil with evil. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It says, return, don't overcome, uh, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's like, it's a scripture in the past, it's my notes, we might get there. It's like putting hot coals on someone's head. You're like, yeah, I'm going to burn their head. I'm going to melt their brains with these hot coals. Jesus said it. If I do something nice to somebody, it'll be like putting hot coals on top of their head. Woo, yeah, I love that passage. It's not what it means. In the Middle East, they would carry coals in a basket on their head, which is what they used to make their fire, which to make their food. And it was a blessing. But it does cause the impurities to come to the surface. Heat causes impurities to come to the surface. So when you are kind to someone who has been evil to you, all of a sudden their evil becomes very apparent to them and everybody else. And you smell like roses. You walk away like a million bucks. You look like the mature one. Oh, we want that to happen. Unforgiveness is like collecting barnacles on your ship. It's a magnet for junk. Eventually, your heart will become callous, full of junk, and you'll be trying to live a healthy life, have healthy relationships, be excited about spiritual things, and you just won't be able to. As an example of this, there was a guy that came to our church a while back, he and his family. We spent the day together. He was helping me. I was helping him. Uh, do some moving, some stuff. And he was just criticizing his last pastor. He's going on and on and on and on and on. And then he started criticizing the pastor before that pastor, going on and on and on and on. And you know what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just a matter of time, man. I mean, because the first pastor wasn't Jesus Christ. The second pastor wasn't Jesus Christ. And I know I'm not Jesus Christ. And so it's just a matter of time. And I told him that. I said, you know what? It makes me think when you say this. You know, because when I was a younger pastor, I used to think, oh, man, I'm going I'm to show this guy what a real pastor is, a good pastor. Yeah, he's going to have, oh, I'm done with that. All right. <laughs> when somebody starts criticizing leadership, I know it my turns next because he is not forgiven. He hasn't processed it. And it's all, all that crud's in his heart. And now I'm in his crosshairs. And I know I'm going to screw up. So are you. Sure enough, didn't take long, and they were gone. And they had a few nice things to say about us on the way out. But I knew it was going to happen. You've got to clean out your heart. It defiles your relationships, and it sabotages your destiny. You want me to keep going? Is this fun? All right. Next, it weakens the church. We're all spiritually connected. If you want this church to be strong and for heaven to flow through it, you can't be harboring unforgiveness in your heart. 
because you've just weakened the church because you're breaking the fabric of the community. Or we could just go the selfish route and let's, let's capitalize on this one. It short circuits the supply of heaven in your own life. There's a passage that's really powerful. It says this. Jesus teaches us. Um, you know, one day the, the disciples were trying to cast a demon out of this. This guy brings his son to the disciples. He's got epilepsy. And he's throwing himself and thrashing around. And so Jesus comes down after being on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's hanging out with, you know, Moses and Elijah and God. And, you know, Jesus just becomes bright like the sun. And Peter's freaking out. And it was just an incredible experience. Then Jesus decides, oh, yeah, I'm still in the earth. I have to come down and, and do my ministry. So he comes walking down the hill. And all of a sudden he runs into this crowd of people. And the disciples run up to him. And this man, the, the dad runs up to Jesus and says, my son, look at him. I mean, he's just, I'm sure, weeping. And just, the son is just epileptic and he's thrashing around. And, he's, and I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't cast it out. They couldn't heal him, he said. And Jesus says, bring the boy to me. So he brings him to Jesus. Jesus commands the spirit to come out, spirit of infirmity come out. The boy's completely healed. The crowd goes away. The disciples says, how come we couldn't do that? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Then he goes on teaching them how to do these kind of things by faith. Because the disciples had already healed the sick, already raised the dead. They'd already done some amazing things with their faith. But they ran up against a new level with a new devil. They ran up against a stronghold that they'd never come up against before. Jesus was teaching them how to get more faith so that you can break even this level of stronghold. And so then he says this to them. He says, if you have faith, the the God kind of faith, you can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. We all say, woo, amen, hallelujah, moving mountains, yeah. And he says, and. He wasn't done talking. He says, you know how you saw me move that mountain? Yeah, that was awesome. You want to move that mountain too? Yeah. Here's how you do it. You speak to the mountain. Believe in your heart it's going to move. It's going to happen. We say, yeah. Put an exclamation point. Have seminars, flyers, banners, little wristbands, bumper stickers, moving mountain faith. He wasn't done talking. He said, and when you stand praying, if you have anger or unforgiveness toward anyone, forgive them so your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, nor will your heaven and heaven, your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses, period. Let it go, let it go. I didn't think about that song when I name my sermon, or I never would have, because I don't ever want to hear that song again. Oh, God. Every talent contest, right? At my children's elementary schools, you know, there's like 30 kids doing a talent. 25 of them sing that song. Some of your prayers aren't being answered because you have unforgiveness in your heart. When you don't let it go, it opens the door to the enemy. If you have courage, read Matthew chapter 18. It'll scare the bejeebies out of you. Jesus very clearly taught without pulling any punches. If you have unforgiveness in your heart and you do not let it go, you do not forgive the person, you are going to be put in prison. Spiritual, emotional, psychological, and possibly physical prison. Jesus Christ taught that. It's in the New Testament. He's trying to teach us how this works. You might say, well, why is that? I'll show it to you in a minute. And finally, it can be the root and cause of weakness, sickness, and disease in your physical body. That's why people have come down for prayer, and we pray and pray and pray and pray. Sometimes pray, 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 and they don't get healed. It's because they've got unforgiveness in their heart. We're trying to pray heaven on them. And Jesus said, and when you stand praying, if you have ought against anybody, forgive them. We can't do that for you. I can't forgive your trespasser for you. You do that, the devil leaves. We might not even need to pray for you at that point because heaven will flow through you. So how do we let it go? You must forgive. I'm going to very quickly go through four reasons you have to forgive, and we're going to wrap this up. I just wanted to give you the 
nasty bad news first so that you're motivated to forgive. I pray, honestly, I pray, my hope is that this message that you're hearing right now will change your life forever. I pray you're hearing this and believing it, and you walk out of this church saying, I'm going to be a quick forgiver. I am going to be a quick forgiver. I am not going to be that monkey with my hand in that dirt pile. I will not be that monkey, and I will not let Satan come put a leash around my neck, because he will. He's behind that tree just watching what you're going to do with that offense. I promise you this is how it works. It really does. I pray you're not... You decide, I, Have you ever been around an easily offended person? Oh, my God. It's so exhausting. If I could have one prayer answered, it's like, Lord, please don't send easily offended people to the gathering place church. God, you got to write the email like 15 times to get it right so they're not offended. Isn't that true? Oh, I can't say it like that. You better choose your words wisely. Oh, wisely. Easily offended people. Man, just let it go. You've got so many bananas in your soul. There's no room for Jesus. God. Why should I forgive? Number one, because it sets you free. You might say it's not worth it. Look, by the time you decide that it's worth it, it's going to be too late. All the destruction I just listed is going to happen to you. God won't love you any less, but you're going to go through a tremendous amount of pain and suffering. You could avoid if you would just let it go. You say, but I can't. Yeah, you can't. Yes, you can. I can't. I've tried. I can't. Yes, you can. I can't. Yes, you can. You just don't want to. I know that's true. Because God would never command you to do something he does not give you the ability to do. That would be abusive. He commands us to forgive. He doesn't ask us to. He commands us to. He's trying to protect us from the enemy. You don't want to because you don't want to let them off the hook. But the truth is, they're not on the hook. They don't even, they're not even thinking about you. They're, they've moved on. You're sitting there with the banana. And you won't let it go. You think by holding on to that banana, you're holding on to them. And you're not. You're the only one on the hook. All there by, by, all by yourself. And Satan is with you. And he's helping you grip that banana. You know, this one phrase really makes a lot of sense to me. Unforgiveness is the poison that you drink hoping the other person will die. You say, but they need to be held accountable. Oh, they will. They absolutely will. God will take care of it. Look at this scripture in the Bible, in the New Testament. Never repay anyone for evil for evil. Take thought for what is right and gracious and power, proper in the sight of everyone. If possible, as if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open. Leave the way open. It's in your power. Leave the way open for God's wrath. Oh, my. Seriously? Yeah. God will, God will make things right. You, you can't handle making things right. God can, God can do that. You and I don't have the ability to, to do this. Leave way for God's wrath and his ju- judicial righteousness. That's in the Bible. For it is written in Scripture, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. This is what you do. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, for by doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome and conquered by evil. Overcome evil with good. Jesus said, you shall love your, you heard it, was, heard it said, love your enemy, hate your enemy. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I said, you love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. He makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, sends ran on the just and the unjust. I'm going to say a couple things about this uh, first point here. It's really important. You may feel like you've really tried. You may feel like you've really tried to forgive, and the feelings just won't go away. I, I want to encourage you, don't confuse your feelings and your memories with forgiveness. When you forgive somebody, 
the feelings and the memories don't go away. That would, that, that's called a lobotomy. You may still feel the feelings and have the memories, but the sting is gone. And if you've truly forgiven, as Jesus said, forgive from the heart. Really let him go. You're going to find these emotions, these negative feelings, and the memories dissipating over time until you can be in front of the person and you don't have these feelings at all. In fact, actually you have feelings of sympathy and empathy. And also, do not confuse forgiveness with thinking you have to subject yourself to further, further abuse. Just because you've forgiven somebody doesn't mean you have to do business with them. Right? I was in business and somebody did us wrong and my employee said, you're a Christian, you forgave them. Yes. Well, how come you won't do business with them? Well, because they stole my wallet. I'm not stupid. I forgive them. I don't have aught in my heart. I forgive them. They're an idiot. I mean, who goes around doing that? He must have needed it more than I did. Right? Bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. But I'm not going to give him my wallet again until he can prove to me he's not a thief anymore. Can I hear an amen? Don't confuse forgiveness with subjecting yourself to further abuse. Second reason to forgive, and I've got to move quickly now because we're going to receive communion. We're going to forgive. The blood, and the, the blood of the body of Christ is going to come into us. Satan's going to lose. Healing's going to come. We're going to experience miracles in the church today. Secondly, it empowers the church. I'm going to move to the third point. It shows the world who Jesus is. I've given them the glory and honor which you gave me, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfect and complete in one, so that the world may know without any doubt that you sent me. When you forgive, when people see you trespassed against, like when my wife, when she tells me the story, She's moved on. She forgave her best friend. In fact, today, they're still best friends. I don't like that. Because I'm still mad at her friend. No, I'm kidding. But I was for a while. It really made me irritated that Hope was free. And after she told me the story, then I got all bound up. I was offended for her, but she wasn't even offended anymore because she'd already forgiven. So then it took me like a few years to forgive her friend. Because I'm so immature. <laughs> I mean, remember, I told you forgiveness is a litmus test of your spiritual character, your, your Christian character. And so I finally had to release. But my wife's forgiveness, and I could tell she truly had forgiven her friend. Talked to her on the phone, laugh and giggle and all that kind of stuff. and Invite her out to visit. And her forgiveness influenced me. I was like, man, that's a real Christian right there. Look at that. It's attractive. And when the world, Jesus says, the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another as I have loved you. And this brings up the final point. You must forgive because Jesus has forgiven you. This is where the miscarriage of justice comes in. You've got to grab a hold of this. Let me read this verse, and I'm going to tell you why there's a miscarriage of justice when you don't forgive. Look at this. Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of... Of all bitterness. That sounds like it's in our power to do so. Get rid of all, how much bitterness? He says, get rid of it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. Ushers, you can come down and put the, uh, the elements down here, Daryl. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. I love the fact that he's saying we have the ability to do this. Harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Just, just, everybody say it out loud. Read this. Just as, just as Christ, God through Christ has forgiven you. This family of God. Please hear me. We have just a couple moments left before we receive communion. Then we're going to have prayer teams. We're stationed in prayer teams. One prayer team here, one there, one there, and one there. When you come down to receive your communion, 
and you're releasing monkeys from your heart and bananas are flying, all right, when you're coming down and you're just letting all, let them all go, just let them all go and you're cleaning out your heart and you come receive the blood and body of Jesus, then you go, if you want to, to one of the prayer teams. Man, I'm believing there's going to be some breakthroughs and some miracles and some healings you have not seen yet. Because heaven was stopped from flowing into you. And here's why. You've got to get a hold of this. This is the miscarriage of justice. And this is, you've got to believe this, what I'm about to say. When they were nailing Jesus Christ to the cross, your sin is what nailed him to that cross. And according to God, your sins are more of an offense to God than anybody's sin on the earth is an offense to you. In other words, your unholiness has so offended God's holiness that when somebody trespasses against you in the earth, it's dinky, dinky, dinky. That's Matthew 18. Jesus said so. He put it in monetary terms. He says, your sin against God is this pile of cash over here. And somebody's sin against you in the earth is this nickel over here. So, when God slaughters his son on the cross, when you didn't deserve it, when I didn't deserve it, so we could be forgiven. And then we have somebody say something nasty to us through social media, and we get all offended, and we won't forgive him. Satan says, yes, yes, yes. Take the bait. Take the bait. And you take that bait, and you won't forgive. Satan says, I now have license. There's been a miscarriage of justice in your life. Heaven forgave you of a bigger debt. and You will not forgive your brother or sister. So now I have access into your life. Here, take some of this sickness. Take some of this disease. Take some of this torment. It's true. This is the way it works, family of God. We've got to know who we are as spiritual people. And it weakens the church. So today, for your own sake, forgive just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And you will be set free and you will once again be trampling on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So I'm going to ask you right now in this moment with the Holy Spirit, if you'll be courageous enough to just close your eyes, ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, is there anybody in my heart that I am holding anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness against? Now just see what face who rises up in your heart who do I hate God who am I angry at who am I blaming who am I blaming for my condition just let it rise up now I'm going to ask you to pray a bold prayer Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for not forgiving that person. Ask the Lord for forgiveness for unforgiveness. Say, Lord, forgive me for plain judge. Forgive me for plain the judge. You are the only judge. Forgive me for holding that person in the cage of my heart. And right now, in obedience to you, I release them. I release them. I'm letting them go. I forgive them. 
say this again to him. Forgive me for harboring bitterness. Come on, we're shutting the door on the enemy right now. Forgive me for harboring bitterness. Now I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to do something Jesus told us to do. I'm telling you, this is big medicine right now. Pray for them right now. Just pray for them. Begin to pray for them. The person that has offended you, that you are holding bitterness and anger against, pray for them. Lord bless them. Come on, you're getting on top of this. You're turning the tables on the enemy. You're being like your Father in heaven. This is spiritual warfare. Pray for them. Ask God to bless them. Sincerely, right now, out of your mouth, out of your lips, God bless them. They need your help. You're going to find the love of Christ starting to flow through your heart. See, your artery of your heart is being cleaned out right now. Instead of bitterness and anger and resentment clogging up your spiritual arteries, Right now, the love of God's going to flow through the arteries of your heart. It sets you free. God bless them. He needs you. She needs your blessing. They're, they're, they're pitiful to do that to somebody. They must be in pain themselves. Bless them, Lord. I want to ask you to pray one more prayer before we come and receive communion. I want you to pray specifically to the spirit of bitterness. Say this out loud. Spirit of bitterness. I don't want you anymore. I reject you from my heart. You're not allowed in my life. I have humbled myself before Jesus. And he's my master. And I am clean. Jesus name. Don't be a monkey. Let's all stand and once you come down the aisle.